section fifty seven of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter fifty three part two the reader stopped and the tears trickled down her cheeks gerard crying in lorraine made her cry at rotterdam the leagues were no more to her heart than the breadth of a room eli softened by many touches in the letter and by the reader's womanly graces said kindly enough take thy time lass and methinks some of ye might find her a creepy to rest her foot and she so near her own trouble i do more for her than that and i durst said catherine here cornelis and she held out her little wooden stool and that worthy who hated margaret worse than ever had to take the creepy and put it carefully under her foot you are very kind dame she faltered i will read on tis all i can do for you in turn thus seeing my master ashy and sore shaken i deemed this horrible tragic act came timiously to warn him so i strove sore to turn him from his ill ways discoursing of sinners and their lethal end too late said he too late and gnashed his teeth then i told him too late was the divil's favourite whisper in repentant ears said i the lord is debonair let sinners not despair too late said he and gnashed his teeth and writhed his face as though vipers were biting his inward parts but dear heart his was a mind like running water ere we cleared the town he was carolling and outside the gate hung the other culprit from the bough of a little tree and scarce a yard above the ground and that stayed my vagabond's music but ere we had gone another furlong he feigned to have dropped his rosary and ran back with no good intent as you shall hear i strolled on very slowly and often halting and presently he came stumping up on one leg and that bandaged i asked him how he could contrive that for it was masterly done oh that was his mystery would i know that i must join the brotherhood and presently we did pass a narrow lane and at the mouth aunt espied a written stone telling beggars by a word like a wee pitchfork to go that way tis yon farmhouse said he bide thou at hand and he went to the house and came back with money food and wine this lad did the business said he slapping his one leg proudly then he undid the bandage and with prideful face showed me a hole in his calf you could have put your knee in had i been strange to his tricks here was a leg had drawn my last penny presently another farmhouse by the road he made for it i stood and asked myself should i run away and leave him not to be shamed in my own despite by him but while i doubted 
there was a great noise and my master well cudgelled by the farmer and his men came towards me hobbling and hollowing for the peasants had laid on heartily but more trouble was at his heels some mischievous white loosed a dog as big as a jackass colt and came roaring after him and downed him momently i deeming the poor rogue's death certain and him least fit to die drew my sword and ran shouting but ere i could come near the muckled dog had torn away his bad leg and ran growling to his lair with it and called de jatte slipped his knot and came running like a lapwing with his hair on end and so striking with both crutches before and behind it unreal dogs as twas like a windmill crazed he fled adown the road i followed leisurely and found him at dinner curse the keans said he and not a word all dinner time but curse the keans i said i must know who they were before i would curse them keans why that was dogs and i knew not even that much he had made a bad bargain well well said he to-morrow we shall be in germany there the folk are music bitten and they molest not beggars unless they fake to boot and then they drown us out of hand that moment curse em we came to strasburg and i looked down rhine with longing heart the stream how swift it seemed running to clip sevenbergen to its soft bosom with but a piece of timber and an oar i might drift at my ease to thee sleeping yet gliding still twas a sore temptation but the fear of an ill welcome from my folk and of the neighbours sneers and the hope of coming back to thee victorious not as now i must defeated and shamed and he with me it did withhold me and so with many sighs and often turning at the head to look on beloved rhine i turned sorrowful face and heavy heart towards augsburg alas dame alas good master eli forgive me but i ne'er can win over this part all at one time it taketh my breath away well-a-day why did he not listen to his heart had he not gone through peril enow sorrow enow well-a-day well-a-day the letter dropped from her hand and she drooped like a wounded lily then there was a clatter on the floor and it was little kate going on her crutches with flushed face and eyes full of pity to console her water mother she cried i am afeard she shall swoon nay nay fear me not said margaret feebly i will not be so troublesome thy good will it maketh me stouter-hearted sweet mistress kate for if thou carest how i fare sure heaven is not against me catherine do you hear that my man eli i wife i hear and mark to boot little kate went back to her place and margaret read on the germans are fonder of armorials than the french so i found work every day and whiles i wrought my master would leave me and doff his raiment and don his rags and other infirmities and cousin the world which he did clep it plucking of the goose this done would meet me and demand half my earnings and with restless piercing eye ask me would i be so base as to cheat my poor master by making three parts in lieu of two till i threatened to lend him a cuff to boot in requital of his suspicion and thenceforth took his due 
with feigned confidence in my good faith the which his dancing eye belied early in germany he had a quarrel i had seen him buy a skull of a jailer's wife and mighty zealous a polishing it thought i how can he carry yon memento and not repent seeing where ends his way presently i did catch him selling it to a woman for the head of st barnabas with a tail had cousined an ebrew so i snatched it out of their hands and trundled it into the ditch how thou impious knave said i wouldst sell for a saint the skull of some dead thief thy brother he slunk away but shallow she did crawl after the skull and with apron reverently dust it for barnabas and it barabbas and so home with it said i non vult anser welly said populus vult to kippy catherine oh the goodly latin eli what meaneth it catherine nay i know not but tis latin is not that he now he was the flower of the flock then i to him take now thy psaltery and part we here for art a walking prison a walking hell but lo my master fell on his knees and begged me for pity's sake not turn him off what would become of him he did so love honesty thou love honesty said i i said he not to enact it the saints forbid but to look on to so fair a thing to look on alas good bonbeck said he hadst starved peradventure but for me kick not down thy ladder call ye that just nay calm thy collar have pity on me i must have a pal and how could i bear one like myself after one so simple as thou he might cut my throat for the money that is hid in my belt tis not much tis not much with thee i walk at mine ease with a sharp i dare not go before in a narrow way alas forgive me now i know where in thy bonnet lurks the bee i will wear his sting i will but pluck the secular goose so be it said i and example was contagious he should be a true man by then we reached nurnberg twas a long way to nurnberg seeing him so humble i said well doff rags and make thyself decent twill help me forget what thou art and he did so and we sat down to our non-meat presently came by a reverend palmer with hats stuck round with cockle-shells from holy land and great rosary of beads like eggs of teal and sandals for shoes and he leaned aweary on his long staff and offered us a shell apiece my master would none but i to set him a better example took one and for it gave the poor pilgrim two batson and had his blessing and he was scarce gone when we heard savage cries and came a sorry sight one leading a wild woman in a chain all rags and howling like a wolf and when they came nigh us she fell to tearing her rags to threads the man sought an alms of us and told us his hard case twas his wife stark raving mad and he could not work in the fields and leave her in his house to fire it nor cure her could be without the sainty's help and had avowed six pounds of wax to st anthony to heal her and so was fain beg of charitable folk for the money and now she espied us and flew at me with her long nails and i was cold with fear so devilish showed her face and rolling eyes and nails like birdie's talons but he with the chain checked her sudden and with his whip 
did cruelly lash her forehead that i cried forbear forbear she knoweth not what she doth and gave him a bats and being gone said i master of those twain i know not which is the more pitiable and he laughed in my face behold thy justice Baumbeck, said he thou railest on thy poor good within an ace of honest master and bestowest alms on a vopper vopper said i what is a vopper why a trawl that feigns madness that was one of us that sham maniac and wow but she did it clumsily i blushed for her and thee also gavest to batson for a shell from holy land that came no farther than normandy i have called them myself on that coast by scores and sold them to pilgrims true and pilgrims false to gall flats like thee withal what said i that reverend man one of us cried Col de jacques one of us in france we call them coquillards but here calmieres railest on me for selling a false relic now and then and wastest thy earnings on such as sell naught else i'll tell thee Bombeck, said he there is not one true relic on earth's face the saints died a thousand years agone and their bones mixed with the dust but the trade in relics it is of yesterday and there are forty thousand tramps in europe live by it selling relics of forty or fifty bodies oh threadbare lie and of the true cross he now to build cologne minster why then may not poor call de jacques turn his penny with the crowd art but a scurvy tyrannical servant to let thy poor master from his share of the swag with your horse and pilgrims palmers and friars black grey and crutched for all these are of our brotherhood and of our art only masters they and we but poor apprentices in guild for his tongue was an l and a half a truce to thy irreverent sophistries said i and say what company is this a-coming bohemians cried he ay ay this shall be the rest of the band with that came along so motley a crew as never your eyes beheld dear margaret marched at their head one with a banner on a steel-pointed lance and girded with a great long sword and in velvet doublet and leathern jerkin the which stuffs ne'er saw i wedded afore on mortal flesh and a gay feather in his lordly cap and a couple of dead fowls at his back the which and the spark had come by honestly i am much mistook him followed wives and babes on two lean horses whose flanks still rattled like parchment drum being beaten by kettles and cauldrons next an armed man a riding of a horse which drew a cart full of females and children and in it sitting backwards a lusty lazy knave lance in hand with his luxurious feet raised on a holy water-pail that lay along and therein a cat new kittened sat glowing o'er her brood and sparks for eyes and the cart-horse cavalier had on his shoulders a round bundle and thereon did perch a cock and crowed with zeal poor ruffler proud of his brave feathers as the rest and haply with more reason being his own and on an ass another wife and new-born child and one poor queen afoot scarce dragged herself along so near her time was she yet held two little ones by the hand and helplessly helped them on the road and the little folk were just a farce some rode sticks with horses heads between their legs which pranced and caracoled and soon wearied the riders so sore they stood stock still and wept which cavaliers were presently 
taken into cart and cuffed and one more grave lost in a man's hat and feather walked in egyptian darkness handed by a girl another had the great saucepan on his back and a tremendous three-footed clay pot sat on his head and shoulders swallowing him so as he too went darkling led by his sweetheart three foot high when they were gone by and we had both laughed lustily said i nathless master my bowels they yearn for one of that tawdry band even for the poor wife so near the down lying scarce able to drag herself yet still poor soul helping the weaker on the way catherine nay nay margaret why wench pluck up heart certes thou art no bohemian kate nay mother tis not that i trow but her father and dear heart why take notice to put her to the blush ricard so i say and he derided me why that is a biltregger said he and you waste your bowels on a pillow or so forth i told him he lied time would show said he wait till they camp and rising after meat and meditation and travelling forward we found them camped between two great trees on a common by the wayside and they had lighted a great fire and on it was their cauldron and one of the trees slanting o'er the fire a kid hung down by a chain from the tree fork to the fire and in the fork was wedged an urchin turning still the chain to keep the meat from burning and a gay spark with a feather in his cap cut up a sheep and another has spitted a leg of it on a wooden stake and a woman ended chanticleer's pride with wringing of his neck and under the other tree four rufflers played at cards and quarrelled and no word sans oath and of these lewd gamblers one had cockles in his hat and was my reverend pilgrim and a female young and comely and dressed like a butterfly sat and mended a heap of dirty rags and Jatte said yon is the vapor and i looked incredulous and looked again and it was so and at her feet sat he that had so late lashed her but i ween he had wist where to strike or woe betide him and she did now oppress him sore and made him thread her very needle the which he did with all humility so was their comedy termed seamy side without and called de jatte told me twas still so with vapours and their men in camp they would don their bravery though but for an hour and with their tinsel empire and the man durst not the least gainsay the vapour or she would turn him off at these times as i my master and take another tyrant more submissive and my master chuckled over me nathless we soon espied a wife set with her back against the tree and her hair down and her face white and by her side a wench held up to her eye a new-born babe with words of cheer and the rough fellow her husband did bring her hot wine in a cup and bade her take courage and just o'er the place she sat they had pinned from bow to bow of those neighbouring trees two shawls and blankets too together to keep the drizzle off her and so had another poor little rogue come into the world and by her own particular folk tended gypsy-wise but of the roasters and boilers and boppers and gamblers no more noticed no not for a single moment than sheep which droppeth her lamb in a field by travellers upon the way then said i what of thy foul suspicions master over knavery blinds the eye as well as over simplicity and he laughed and said triumph bonbeck triumph the chances were nine in ten against thee then i did pity her to be in a crowd at such a time but he rebuked me i should pity rather your queens and royal duchesses which by law 
are condemned to groan in a crowd of nobles and courtiers and do writhe with shame as well as sorrow being come of decent mothers whereas these gipsy women have no more shame under their skins than a wolf ruth or a hare valor and bombeck quoth he i espy in thee a lamentable fault wasteth thy bowels wilt have none left for thy poor good master which doeth thy will by night and day then we came forward and he talked with the men in some strange hebrew cant whereof no word knew i and the poor knaves bade us welcome and denied us naught with them and all they had twas lightly come and lightly go and when we left them my master said to me this is thy first lesson but to-night we shall lie at hansborough come with me to the rotbas there and i'll show thee all our folk and their lays and especially the lostners the dutzers the sleppers the kikkises the swanfelders whom in england we call shivering jemmies the sutbeggers the schweigers the jowners the seseldigers the genesherers in france mercandiers or rifotas the veranarans the stablers with a few foreigners like ourselves such as pietras frank mitu pelosan malangru taters ruffers whipjacks domerars glimmerars dark men patricos waddlers autumn morts walking morts enow cried i stopping him art as gleesome as the evil one accounting of his imps i'll jot down in my tablet all these caitiffs and their accursed names for knowledge is knowledge but go among them alive or dead that will i not with my good will moreover said i what need since i have a companion in thee who is all the knaves on earth in one and thought to abash him but his face shone with pride and hand on breast he did bow low to me if thy wit be scant good bonbeck thy manners are a charm i have made a good bargain so he to the rot boss and i to a decent inn and sketched the landlord's daughter by candlelight and started at morn batson three the richer but could not find my master so loitered slowly on and presently met him coming west for me and cursing the queens why so because he could blind the culls but not the queens at last i prevailed on him to leave cursing and canting and tell me his adventure said he i sat outside the gate of yon monastery full of sores which i showed the passers-by o bonbeck beautifuler sores you never saw and it rained coppers in my hat presently the monks came home from some procession and the convent dogs ran out to meet them cursed the quians what did they fall on thee and bite thee poor soul worse worse dear bombeck had they bitten me i had earned silver but the great idiots being as i think puppies or little better fell on me where i sat downed me and fell a-licking my sores among them as thou false name didst where the whelps in heaven licked the sores of lazy bones a beggar of old nay nay said i i said no such thing but tell me since they bit thee not but sportfully licked thee what harm what harm noodle why the sores came off how could that be how could aught else be and them just fresh put on did i think he was so weak as bite holes in his flesh with ratsbane nay he was an artist a painter like his servant and had put on sores made of pig's blood rye meal and glue so when the folk saw my sores go on tongues of puppies they laughed and i saw quarter sack before me so up i jumped and shouted a miracle a miracle the very dogs of this holy convent be holy and have cured me good fathers cried i whose day is this saint isidore's said one saint isidore cried i in a sort of rapture 
why st isidore is my patron saint so that accounts and the simple folk swallowed my miracle as those accursed quians by my wounds but the monks took me inside and shut the gate and put their heads together but i have a quick ear and one did say carat miraculo monasterium which is greek patter leastways it is no beggar's camp finally they bade the lay brethren give me a hiding and take me out a back way and put me on the road and threatened me did i come back to the town to hand me to the magistrate and have me drowned for a plain impostor prophet now by the church's grace said they and mend thy ways so forward bombeck for my life is not sure nigh hand this town as we went he worked his shoulders wow but the brethren laid on and what means yon piece of monks cant i wondered so i told him the words meant the monastery is in want of a miracle but the application thereof was dark to me dark cried he dark as noon why it means they are going to work the miracle my miracle and gather all the grain i sowed therefore these blows on their benefactor's shoulders therefore is he that wrought their scurry miracle driven forth with stripes and threats o oh, cousining knaves said i becomes you to complain of guile alas bombeck said he i but outwit the simple but these monks would pluck lucifer of his wing feathers and went a league bemoaning himself that he was not convent bred like his servant he would put it to more profit and railing on quians and as for those monks there was one above sir said i there is one above what then who will call those shavelings to compt one day quoth he and all deceitful men said i at one that afternoon i got armories to paint so my master took the yellow jaundice and went begging through the town and with his oily tongue and saffron water face did fill his hat now in all the towns are certain licensed beggars and one of these was an old favourite with the townsfolk had his station at st martin's porch the greatest church a blind man they called him blind hans he saw my master drawing coppers on the other side the street and knew him by his tricks for an impostor so sent and warned the constables and i met my master in the constable's hands and going to his trial in the town hall i followed and many more and he was none abashed neither by the pomp of justice nor memory of his misdeeds but demanded his accuser like a trumpet and blind hans's boy came forward but was sifted narrowly by my master and stammered and faltered and owned he had seen nothing but only carried blind hans's tail to the chief constable this is but hearsay said my master lo ye now here standeth misfortune back bit by envy but stand thou forth blind envy and vent thine own lie and blind hans behooved to stand forth sore against his will him did my master so press with questions and so pinch and torture asking him again and again how being blind he could see all that befell and some that befell not across a way and why and he could not see he came there holding up his perjured hand and maligning the misfortune that at last he groaned aloud and would utter no word more and an alderman said in sooth hans ye are to blame hast cast more dirt of suspicion on thyself than on him but the burgomaster a wondrous fat man and methinks of his fat some had gotten into his head checked him and said nay hans we know this many years and be he blind or not he hath passed for blind so long tis all one 
back to thy porch good hans and let the strange varlet leave the town incontinent on pain of whipping then my master winked to me but there rose a civic officer in his gown of state and golden chain a dignity with us lightly prized and even shunned of some but in germany and france much courted save by condemned malefactors to wit the hangman and says he and please you first let us see why he weareth his hair so thick and low and his man went and lifted cul de jatte's hair and lo the upper gristle of both ears was gone how is this knave quoth the burgomaster my master said carelessly he minded not precisely his had been a life of misfortunes and losses when a poor soul has lost the use of his leg noble sirs these more trivial woes rest lightly in his memory when he found this would not serve his turn he named two famous battles in each of which he had lost half an ear of fighting like a true man against traitors and rebels but the hangman showed them the two cuts were made at one time and by measurement tis no bungling soldier's work my master said he tis iron then the burgomaster gave judgment the present charge is not proven against thee but an thou beest not guilty now thou hast been at other times witness thine ears wherefore i send thee to prison for one month and give a florn towards the new hall of the guilds now a building and to be whipped out of the town and pay the hangman's fee for the same and all the aldermen approved and my master was hailed to prison with one look of anguish it did strike my bosom i tried to get speech of him but the jailer denied me but lingering near the jail i heard a whistle and there was called de jatte at a narrow window twenty feet from earth i went under and he asked me what made i there i told him i was loath to go forward and not bid him farewell he seemed quite amazed but soon his suspicious soul got the better that was not all mine errand i told him not all the psaltery well what of that twas not mine but his i would pay him the price of it then throw me as a rix dollar said he i counted out my coins and they came to a rix dollar and two batson i threw him up his money in three throws and when he had got it all he said softly bombeck master said i then the poor rogue was greatly moved i thought ye had been mocking me said he oh bombeck bombeck if i had found the world like thee at starting i had put my wit to better use and i had not lain here then he whimpered out i gave not quite a rix dollar for the jingler and threw me back that he had gone to cheat me of honest for once and over late and so with many sighs bade me godspeed thus did my master after often baffling men's justice fall by their injustice for his lost ears proved not his guilt only but of that guilt the bitter punishment so the account was even yet they for his chastisement did chastise him nathless he was a parlous rogue yet he hoped to make a man of me thanks to his good wit i went forward richer far with my psaltery and brush than with yon as good as stolen purse for that must have run dry in time like a big trough but these a little fountain rickart how pregnant his reflections be and but a curly pated lad when last i saw him asking your pardon mistress prithee read on one day i walked alone and sooth to say light-hearted for mine honest dining sweetened the air on the way but poor cul de jatte poisoned it the next day passing a grand house out came on prancing steeds a gentleman in brave attire and two servants they overtook me the gentleman bade me halt i laughed in my sleeve for a few batson were all my store he made me doff my doublet and jerkin then i chuckled no more bethink you my lord said i 
tis winter how may a poor fellow go bare and live so he told me i shot mine arrow wide of his thought and off with his own gay jerkin richly furred and doublet to match and held them forth to me then a servant let me know it was a penance his lordship had had the ill luck to slay his cousin in their cups down to my shoes he changed with me and set me on his horse like a popinjay and fared by my side in my worn weeds with my psaltery on his back and said he now good youth thou art cousin detstein and i lay count thy servant play the part well and help me save my blood-stained soul be haughty and choleric as any noble and i will be as humble as i may i said i would do my best to play the noble but what should i call him he bade me call him naught but servant that would mortify him most he wist we rode on a long way in silence for i was meditating the strange chance that from a beggar's servant had made me a master to account and also cudgelling my brains how best i might play the master without being run through the body all at one time like his cousin for i mistrusted sore my sparks humility your german nobles being to my knowledge proud as lucifer and choleric as fire as for the servants they did slyly grin to one another to see their master so humbled what is that a lump as of lead had just bounced against the door and the latch was fumbled with unsuccessfully another bounce and the door swung inwards with giles arrayed in cloth of gold sticking to it like a wasp he landed on the floor and was embraced but on learning what was going on trumpeted that he would much liever hear of gerard than gossip sybrand pointed to a diminutive chair giles showed his sense of this civility by tearing the said sybrand out of a very big one and there ensconced himself gorgeous and glowing sybrand had to wedge himself into the one which was too small for the magnificent dwarf's soul and margaret resumed but as this part of the letter was occupied with notices of places all which my reader probably knows and if not can find handled at large in a dozen well-known books from munster to murray i skipped the topography and hastened to that part where it occurred to him to throw his letter into a journal the personal narrative that intervened may be thus condensed end of section fifty seven